0: Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: Econo
0: This is episode 22, and we're reviewing part two, Battle Tendency, A True Warrior. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. I'm going to come right out and say it. We both sound really nasally today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've been warned.
0: (laughs) Um, Apologies right off the bat if we do sound... Uh, nasally and kind of off. We're both battling seasonal allergies right now, and it's really, really
1: bad. Yeah, I know mine's usually flare up right around September. Same. And I know this because even being in grade school, like going back to school after Labor Day, like I was always dying during the month of September.
0: But that was your signal? That was your body reminding you that it's time to go back to school? Kicks yeah. In the allergies. <laughs> I'm actually uh different i never ever ever had seasonal allergies until after college um i don't know i think it's don't you develop allergies in like a seven-year cycle of some sort
1: i thought that was more like specific allergies like food allergies yeah. or
0: things like that i don't have any other allergies at all and for my life well, for most of my life i didn't have seasonal al- allergies Blah, and now i have them and it's it is rough, but we will push through it. Um, I chugged a bunch of hot green tea earlier to try and open up my uh, my passages here <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't sound as horrible. But the uh, the funny part is we recently did some upgrades to our podcasting room, including uh, installing a bunch of audio panels, I guess that's what it's called. It's not soundproofing panels, but it's like audio dampening panels to help our sound be more cute and more crisp contained contained yeah and uh on the flip side you now get to hear our nasally voices (laughs) more defined
1: (laughs) yeah my hormone breathing is super restricted right now
0: yeah that's a that's a good point how do hormone users deal with allergies seasonal allergies
1: not sure (laughs) i feel like since hormone is so in tune with nature that it's something that they can circumvent
0: Maybe they just Hamon breathe the allergies away.
1: Yeah. Although, well, Zeppeli sneezes because he gets salt in his
0: Yeah, when he's nasal salting passage. or peppering yeah. his sandwich. I was going <laughs> to say, so
1: I wasn't going to say like they're completely immune, but yeah, I don't know. I would like to think that they, again, they're one with nature and their use of humon, so they don't have to worry about allergies. But if there is Jojo canon out there that I'm not taking into account, please let me know.
0: Yeah, maybe it was covered in the manga. (laughs) Maybe someone got allergies in the manga and they had to deal with it. I mean, to be fair, Hamon keeps you young. Um, It can, I mean, it repaired Jonathan's broken arm immediately um, when he gained the, the ability. So I would imagine being a hormone breather, you can probably overcome seasonal allergies if you can overcome a shattered arm. Yeah, (laughs) But uh, we don't have hormone; We can't overcome our allergies. We have Claritin. Yeah, we have Claritin. (laughs) That's about as good as it's going to get. So again, apologies if we do sound a little bit off. Thank you for bearing with us because we'll have another great discussion for you guys today. So a true warrior. Um, I kind of get confused between the title of this episode and the title of the next episode, which is Warrior of the Wind, because I feel like this should have been titled The Warrior of the Wind because this is like focused on Wamu and the next episode could have been called A True Warrior because it's like half an, a Wamu episode but then like partially a Cars episode.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the opposite because I thought with spoilers, the next episode being Wamu's demise, that would have been, or Warrior of Wind would have been the suitable title for that. Um, I was actually going to bring up like Who exactly are they referring to in the title as a true warrior?
0: Oh, good question. Probably Wamu because Joseph's acting a fool the whole time in this (laughs) battle.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, both titles, I guess, could be referring to Wamu. Um, But, you know, I always say that you've taken over my use of the word transitional in describing certain JoJo episodes. Obviously, this episode is far from transitional, but I'm going to steal from your vocabula- oh, vocabulary this time my god. and say that this was the mother of all dick scheming anime episodes. <laughs> I know that was a term you coined when we were watching Death Note, dick scheming instead of dick slinging, but I thought it was a perfect word to describe what happens here.
0: Would you say this episode is more dick scheming or less dick scheming than Joseph's fight against ACDC that we saw earlier?
1: I would say more so because I don't know if uh, anyone kept a running count of how many times Wamu or Joseph were one upping the other, but I feel like it was a lot more than what happened between Joseph and ACDC. Well,
0: let me play devil's advocate here. ACDC's battle strategy is similar to Joseph's, where they use trickery and, and scheming and underhanded tactics. Wong was very against that, and I don't think he does that. I mean, w- would you say that he's scheming at all in this episode?
1: Okay, maybe it's not like <laughs> scheming, but more so like he's scheming within the rules that he's set up for himself as a warrior like true
0: because he does grab that pillar instead of the weapon that's hanging off of it yeah
1: because he's always he's still anticipating Joseph's moves so he always has like a strategy in mind and that's I would say one form of dick skiing. <laughs> <laughs> right
0: yeah the narrator does tell us in I think the wamu versus Caesar showdown that wamu is a a skilled battle strategist that's how he operates and we get more of that in this episode which i'll i'll mention when we get to that part um so yeah i I guess you could call it dick scheming it's more like i don't know maybe it's like dick scheming meets dick (laughs) one-upping i don't know well it's it's dick something that's for sure
1: (laughs) yeah i mean overall it's just a lot of pent-up anger and frustration from both parties you know leading into this race because they're both seeking vengeance for their respective comrades, right, with Joseph wanting to get blood for Caesar and Wama wanting to get blood out for um, ACDC. And I guess another comparison is, like, this kind of reminds me of, like, this is... Or this whole episode is, like, the melee version of those rap battles from 8 Mile.
0: Okay, I never watched (laughs) 8 Mile, but, I like, I'm somewhat familiar with what you're referencing. Like,
1: yeah, it's Eminem's character, like, battling all of these like local rappers from Detroit it's been so long since I've watched the movie but you know like that kind of energy or I guess you know like when like we were kids or you watch kids playing and they do like these role-playing games with each other and you know like one kid will say like aha I got you and then another kid will be like nah because I got this power or I have this weapon yeah I can see that (laughs) that's kind of what this episode is like if you were to imagine Joseph and Wamu just being little kids that have like an advantage or try to get advantages against each other.
0: I felt like this episode was more Wamu maintaining his cool for the majority of the episode and trying to maintain the upper hand despite all of the nonsense Joseph was throwing at him. Obviously, he got really fucked in the head when his arms were torn to shreds and he was just like sitting there on the horse um, trying to figure out what life is at this point. But then he had his second wind. No. Nope pun intended <laughs> and I think came out on top by the end of this episode. Obviously things will pan out the way they pan out in the next episode. Uh, but I felt like it was more Joseph trying to be the trying to throw Wamu off using his typical, you know, trickster tactics and Wamu trying to anticipate that and trying to keep his cool the whole time so that he could maintain again that upper hand that that advantage throughout the chariot race.
1: Yeah, and I think that just strengthens the argument. Going back to my original question that the title A True Warrior is referring to Wamu because as much as, again, he's putting up with Joseph's shit throughout this fight, he still stays focused, like, laser-focused into his warrior mentality in, again, taking the upper hand of this race.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the title does refer... Uh, does reference Wamu or refer to him. I would say if you had to title the type of warrior Joseph's being in this battle, it's probably... Um,
1: Goofy ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I had a word. Now I forgot what it was. Like uh, So Wamu's a true warrior, and I feel like Joseph is... Um,
1: an eclectic warrior? An eccentric warrior?
0: A realistic warrior? warrior because <laughs> and i say that because of when the crowd is i guess calling him out for cheating um, when he puts the rocks in front of wamu's chariot and he says dude this is a battle to the death i'm going to do what i need to do to survive even if it means cheating that's realism right there at its finest and uh, yeah i feel like he's being pretty realistic
1: yeah is there a i know joseph constantly quotes sun tzu um i wonder if there's an art of war passage about cheating your way (laughs) through a (laughs) through a chariot race that he draws inspiration from but go ahead and buckle up your seat belts folks as we dive into our summary and discussion for part two episode 13 a true warrior it's wamu or go home as the bernina 500 is underway in the race's last man standing format each lap will feature a different weapon dangling from a pillar for either participant to use on his opponent on a first come first slaughter basis. As the clouds strike midnight, Josephu uses a cheat code by sneakily trapping Wamu's chariot in rubble and grabs the first Mario Kart item, a sledgehammer, before the pillarman is able to dislodge his cart. But guess what? Wamu anticipated Josephu striking blood first. So he decides to grab the entire fucking pillar itself and damages enough of Josephu's chariot to send him flying. But guess what? Joseph uses the hammer to land safely on one of Wamu's horses. But guess what? Wamu hides within the horse's hide, brumts, and surprise attacks Josephu with Divine Darut Sandstorm, which sends him reeling back to Josephu's dinky chariot. But guess what? Josephu anticipated Wamu's sandstorm attack and shreds his arm to pieces with Hamon in the process. But guess what? Wamu keeps his head literally in the game as he gouges his eyes out and uses his unicorn horn as a wind GPS. But guess what? Josephu takes the opportunity to grab the larger of two crossbows in the subsequent lap. But guess what? Wamu takes the smaller crossbow and lobs some trick shot arrows at Josephu, who struggles to use the larger crossbow. But guess what? Josefu successfully cocks his crossbow against the ground in his fall and fatally impales Wamu's chest with a Hamon-infused shot after distracting Wamu's wind GPS with a flurry of rocks. But guess what? Wamu makes a last-ditch effort by choking out Josefu with his severed arms and unleashing his final smash, gathering Gale against his rambunctious rival. But guess what? I don't know, actually. We have to wait two weeks to find out.
0: <laughs> that cliffhanger ending.
1: <laughs> And now on to our next segment of the show is that a music reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music. But there's nothing. And for such an action-packed dick-scheming episode, I am appalled. (laughs) The only thing that I could come up with is since they're using horse-drawn chariots uh, for this race, you could reference Chariots of Fire. If i'm sure people are familiar with the song they probably don't know the title um the one that they use in like athletic settings or like for victory purposes like the
0: oh that song yeah Yeah. it's from the the like it's
1: from the (laughs) office if anyone's familiar when uh michael films that commercial for dunder mifflin
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good episode
1: (laughs) but yeah missed opportunity i guess
0: Well, now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And that's it, because there was none. (laughs) So similarly to no music references, I don't think there were any major JoJo memes that popped up um, in this episode, A True Warrior. But as always... If there were any memes and I overlooked them, please reach out to us. Let us know because we want to make sure we honor every single meme. You can reach out to us on Instagram or on Twitter um, or via email or via our website. Please don't hesitate to let us know because Jojo memes are very special memes in the anime community. And we have to acknowledge every single one. We have to do it, okay? Mm -hmm. We got to do it. So diving right into the episode, noticeable difference, I would say, in animation quality for this uh, pretty pivotal episode, especially in the first couple of minutes. I feel like the animation that we got in the first moments of this episode was probably done by somebody different than the rest of the episode, mostly because the way that Wamu and Joseph looked was very detailed with a lot more shading Mm -hmm. um, and kind of blending of colors versus the harsh lines you usually get with shadowing and all of that. Very smooth animation um, for some of the moves during the battle as well. On the flip side, we did get some really nasty CGI, (laughs) some like really nasty CGI. It's it's out there in the distance, but when you look hard enough, it's pretty jarring. Um, So yeah, I don't know if there was a different Person or group that did the first couple of moments, um, everything I would say leading up to when the chariot race started, but it was an interesting look.
1: Yeah, I think the budget was a lot higher for this episode, not only just for the animation, but also because of the involvement of CGI, which you've you've already mentioned was not a good look. And I know we talked before about the difficulty of animating horses, right? And it's just funny that we had that conversation. And here we are watching the chariot race between Wamu and Joseph. And you have these <laughs> horses that just look dead. I mean, I know they're, <laughs> they're vampire horses and like they're supposed to get. Or, but even the riders themselves, it it just looks like something out of a PS1 game.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you get a good look at Wamu or Joseph CGI'd onto their chariots they don't even move like they're completely frozen completely rigid and let's just tear the band-aid off like it looked like crap
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: it's not good luckily it is you know distant shots of them they're kind of in the background when you get the cgi it's very quick and it's uh, at
1: night so yeah so not it's not details.
0: as in your face but damn again like it, it's it's jarring when you see it you're kind of like oh what is that so, yeah
1: <laughs> i think going back to our conversation like let's hope they have cleaned up the technology or like the animation capability by the time we get the steel ball run anime adaptation because
0: if they couldn't even okay not not saying they couldn't animate four horses but if they chose to take some shots of these four horses and turn them cgi i can only imagine the budget and the time and effort that's going to go into animating the bajillions of horses i don't actually know because i haven't read part seven but (laughs) i think there's like a lot of horses in that that part um, that's going to be a pretty pretty big undertaking. Uh, but back to the animation for this episode, I would say, again, overall, it looks really, really nice, especially the up-close shots of Wamu or Joseph. They just look really well-drawn. Um, despite it being at night, the colors are very vivid, and I think they did a really good job. Again, it's it's an important episode. Um, the whole chariot race uh, in two parts is is really pivotal to the story especially given the relationship that Joseph and Wamu have. So I'm not surprised that they they spent more time and effort on these episodes, but I think it was a smart choice. I think it would have dampened the epicness of this chariot race if the animation wasn't up to snuff.
1: Yeah, and even with, um, you know, the Hamon that's disintegrating Wamu's arms, I felt like, or even the, when it impales his chest at the end, I felt like there was a lot of detail put into that, which is especially made harder because, like, he's being animated with his arms dangling as they're in motion so but for them to you know add that effect of the hamon still working its way through his body was a nice touch
0: The episode officially starts with Joseph being classic Joseph when he throws Wamu off by sneaking rocks under his chariot wheel, pretending to be removing rocks from his own wheel, taking advantage of the fact that everyone's looking up at the moon to see when the race is going to start. And all the while, you have Lisa Lisa in the background screaming like, Jojo, hurry up and get back on your chariot. The race is going to start, damn it. You're going to fucking die. And I'm (laughs) sure it was gut-wrenching for her to watch this duel knowing her son could die and it's technically the first full fight that she's witnessed of Joseph, so she's not like super, super confident or super familiar with how he'll overcome, you know, Wamu and, and everything that he's been th- that's been thrown his way essentially. But yeah, in those first moments when she's yelling at him over and over again, like, Get the fuck back on your chariot, the start <laughs> the thing's about to start. Yeah,
1: I mean, the last thing he did uh, before this in her presence was when he tried to put that string around um the room where cars and all the vampires were in oh yeah and it just ended up failing and so i think that like that was kind of her first look at how incompetent joseph is generally and like her low confidence of him going into this race um i think what was funny with this this first scene with joseph sticking the rocks out from under his chariot is i'm pretty sure wamu wishes joseph good luck right before that. like he says to uh, joseph i look forward to an exemplary fight just showing again that he has this respect for fellow warriors or people that he considers to be like high class warriors basically right But then Joseph goes ahead and does this thing (laughs) and, like, basically cheats his way by getting a head start. Although Joseph did warn Wamu about checking the rubble under his chariot.
0: Yeah, and I... It's interesting that he throws him off by directly telling him what he's trying to do, basically. Mm -hmm. Not saying I'm going to be putting these on your wheel or under your wheel, but saying you should probably check under your wheel. Um, So two things. Going back to Lisa Lisa, I would say her confidence in Joseph certainly increases throughout the battle as she sees him overcome every obstacle, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, that comes his way throughout the race. Because by the end of it, and I'll, I'll mention this again later, she even says that he's a brilliant trickster and she's got a lot of confidence in her, um, in her backing of him when she's you know, talking with cars uh, about how the, the duel is going. And then on the Wamu point, that is very interesting that you mentioned that. I didn't really think about that before because a, a proud warrior or having that warrior code upholding that is incredibly important to Wamu. And the whole reason he even entertains Caesar and Joseph is because he sees that potential in them and he wants to acknowledge it and give it the proper respect. Mm-hmm. But you think about his duel with Caesar, and that was a true honor code type of duel. You know, neither of them had underhanded tricks up their sleeve. Like they they had their tricks, right? Because you, you mm-hmm. have to in a in a fight, obviously, otherwise the opponent's gonna be able to predict everything you're doing. But there was nothing that was underhanded. And by the end of it, he acknowledges Caesar as a true warrior, I guess. And then you have Joseph here, who is dicking around the whole time, definitely not upholding any sort of honor code. Yet by the end of this fight, as we'll learn in the next episode, Wamu acknowledges him as a, a true warrior as well. It's I think it's more about how Joseph pays respects after the duel and Caesar paying respects, I guess, during the duel.
1: Yeah, I think the best way to compare it is like with the fight between Wamu and Caesar it's like they both had their own if we're looking at this in terms of a fighting game they have certain moves they can use against each other right certain combos whereas with Wamu and Joseph it's like Joseph has cheat codes for the game and so that's what he tries to do in gaining the upper hand against Wamu um so I get like it's as much as like Wamu respects uh, Joseph by the end of this battle I think he it's more of respecting the ends rather than respecting the means
0: yeah and again after the whole rock under the chariot wheel thing the crowd yells at him calling him a cheat and all that and he does say this is a death match as far as I'm concerned cheating doesn't matter and to me, like, that's fine. I I get yeah. that. I can respect that. It's like um, a win at all costs. Yeah, because the, the cost is your own life. And there's more to more at stake, I would say, for Joseph than just his own well-being. It's the safety of the world, the safety of the Redstone of Asia, the safety of his mother that he doesn't know is his mother yet. Um, if things spiral spiral out of control, then that means Speedwagon is in trouble and Smokey's in trouble and Eddie's in trouble. So there's a lot riding on this, plus, of course, avenging... Um, Caesar after he was killed by Wamu so Mm -hmm. I don't blame him I know it's not the most honorable thing to do but I don't blame him for cheating the way he does when his life is on the line when they finally reach that big pillar I was at first wondering how Joseph could hold on to such a huge and heavy weapon the the sledgehammer he's got when it's covered in oil but then i remember that he can use hamon like a magnet from that hell climb pillar episode i mean
1: all uh, right, yeah they
0: were using the oil plus the hamon as a way to kind of stick themselves to the pillar i imagine it's the same thing here because when he covers the thing in oil i'm like that is gonna go flying out of your hand like it almost already did
1: oh you're talking about after he picks it up because yeah. he was struggling to hold it because of the The G-forces? Yeah, the (laughs) G-forces of him moving forward whilst trying to grab the weapon. Yes, and
0: on that point, that there is Jojo logic. That's not Hamon logic. That's what we like to call Jojo logic because you're telling me this huge-ass sledgehammer, which I'm sure weighs a ton... Gets not only slipped through um, his fingers, it, it's hooked onto this tiny ass nose ring that's on his pinky. That's
1: a strong fucking ring, then.
0: And a strong fucking <laughs> pinky, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. So, not only does the nose piercing not break, his pinky also doesn't get ripped off of his hand. And somehow there's a, a little hook on the back of the sledgehammer. Is that do sledgehammers normally have hooks like that on the back?
1: Maybe if like they're trying, well, they were trying to hang it off the pillar. That's true, right?
0: yeah. Well, he got fucking lucky there. So anyway, that's Jojo logic. Um, But then afterwards when he smothers it in oils that he can not only use it to crush Wamuu but also impale him with Hamon. That's Hamon logic, I realized after I kind of stopped and thought about it a bit.
1: But there is a lot of Jojo logic that goes on in this episode besides the whole sledgehammer thing. Um, Because I know at the beginning of the episode they mention how... Like, one lap around the entire course is 900 meters or so. And the horses are able to make the lap in one minute. But a lot of the action takes place over the course of this, like, 20-minute episode. And so there's a lot of dialogue in between. I think there's, like, after Joseph picks up the sledgehammer and then Wamu just grabs the whole pillar and smashes Joseph's chariot to pieces... There's that one point where Wamu is about to collide into Joseph, and he's just taking his sweet time calculating what Joseph's next move is going to be, right? Like, he's like, he might, there's a 5% chance he'll move to the right, or a 5% chance he'll move to the left. And it's just funny, because this takes place over the course of five minutes, but we're led to believe that this is supposed to all be within half a minute
0: yeah so two comments on that because you bring up two good points so first around the jojo logic and the timing of everything i think i could be wrong but i think when it seems like wamu has defeated joseph um earlier on in the chariot race cars comments saying the battle only lasted half a lap and i remember that distinctly and i was like i don't think that's correct (laughs) because there is a part where the crowd is cheering or whatever and they confirm that it's already lap two that they're on plus i mean we see how long they're running for like Mm -hmm. and how fast they're going it's more than one lap so i don't know if that's just too big brain for me to understand or if that's an iraqi forgot moment that's definitely an iraqi forgot (laughs) moment because i'm like i'm pretty sure they've gone more than half a lap um, so I'm not sure how this has only lasted half a lap. Plus, if it's only half a lap, then if you're doing the math, it's a 30 second battle, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was like 10 minutes into the episode. Well, maybe
1: it's it's kind of like you know watching a basketball game. Like these players' mentalities, they can think so much within the course of like 10 seconds, right? Yeah. But in real time, that it it's it's. 10 seconds <laughs> but I don't again
0: know. it's we always call back to it the one of the best examples of jojo logic or jojo physics whatever you want to call it is from part one when jonathan and dio are fighting each other and they're falling down the pillar the, the pillar engulfed in flames and they're falling for an eternity there's no way that this two-story pillar is this long or this this tall where they're falling for as long as they are um so that's uh it's just another example of that
1: or even a couple episodes ago when uh joseph and cars were racing down the cliff and they were falling down the cliff which was supposed to what be like 30 seconds before impact or whatever
0: yeah i think that's my favorite part of it at least with the part one jonathan dio fight in the flaming tower there was no narration about how tall the tower is or how long it would take them to fall and as the show progresses the narrator starts to call out that bullshit by saying this cliff is this many meters high and it will take 30 seconds until they impact at the bottom yeah. and yeah, then five or 30 seconds I don't, yeah I don't you're, you're like know. watching it <laughs> unfold and you're thinking to yourself, this is a really long five or 30 seconds that we're watching right now. I don't think this is accurate. So- Unless like in reality, <laughs>
1: they're just talking at like chipmunk speed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if the narrator stopped kind of, you know, putting Rocky on blast, then we wouldn't be able to know that uh, it's it's not it's not actual logic it's jojo logic Mm -hmm. but going back to the other piece that you mentioned um wamu calculating everything in his head i feel like this goes back to the wamu caesar fight where the narrator confirms to us that wamu is a brilliant fighter a brilliant strategist because here we see him taking however long he needs you know via jojo logic to calculate that there's a 90 percent chance that joseph gets trampled by the horses 5% Five percent chance he dodges left, and five percent chance he dodges right, and it's it's so fun to watch him figure that out in his head, um, and and be so confident about it. And Lisa, Lisa, then narrating behind him, you kind of agreeing that. These are the only options for him, and they're not the best options. But then Joseph outsmarts him by charging the horse's head on and using the hammer to dodge, which wasn't even a thought for Wamu. So here you have <laughs> Wamu, this fighting genius, getting outsmarted by this dumbass named Joseph Joestar, even in the you know this, this life-or-death situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, and actually this also reinforces Joseph's personality of thinking outside the box, When Wamu thinks he has every possibility calculated, it's (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so unexpected.
0: When Joseph jumps onto the horse, I think, right? He jumps, he like whips his body up using the weight of the sledgehammer to kind of counteract his own weight and propel him forward. Yeah. And he lands on one of the horses, I think. And then he says, luck's on my side after all. What are the chances the hammer would get stuck on my ring? Guess luck is a skill after all and i just thought to myself yes joseph you're the master of luck as a skill as we've learned throughout part 2 oh, yeah.
1: um
0: because how many how many times right ha- has he had these moments of luck that have just panned out in his favor and you know as as clever as he is he wouldn't have even thought that this would be possible for him and it happens multiple times in this fight as well you have the the sledgehammer on the peak the pinky ring and then you have the uh the crossbow getting cocked back when he falls to the ground Mm -hmm. that's pure luck as well and I think he acknowledges that too so I would say if luck is a skill then the person who does it the best is Joseph Joestar agreed so as the battle progresses, um, and Kars assumes the battle is won, but then is uh, surprised that Joseph still has more tricks up his sleeve, that's when Lisa Lisa chimes in saying that Joseph is a brilliant trickster. But whether or not it deserves praise is another thing. It's what probably one of my favorite lines that she has, because she acknowledges that her son is the way that he is, probably takes a little bit of that from her. As we saw in the previous episode, she can be pretty cunning herself. But she also acknowledges that that's probably not the best way to be. So she's like, mm, I don't know if it's a good thing. But yeah, he's good at this.
1: I mean, so far in the race, he's been having a good track record of him being a, a tricky bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also just think it's funny that Lisa and Lisa and Cars are taking over Speedwagon's role as these play-by-play sports commentators. But now it's like like it's evenly balanced because Cars speaks on Wama's behalf and lisa lisa on joseph's behalf um i also just liked how cars mentions wamu having become one with the horse and the horse is with him <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, it, it's like uh rogue one took inspiration from this line
0: yeah and joseph even says um when he jumps on the horse doesn't see wamu around and then his hand sticks out he's like oh shit that's right these guys can hide in other living things i don't think we've seen that since santana right or did we see that
1: i mean there oh, was also part one but no that i'm was thinking like, like what when joseph's
0: men. witnessed it
1: oh right right. he right. saw
0: it with santana and then i guess technically he did see it with acdc when he took over suzy q yeah
1: because he did infiltrate her body because
0: honestly i forgot that was a another skill until joseph said that <laughs> At the horse part, Joseph is clever yet again and outsmarts Wamu's outsmarting by taking his Hamon-infused horse reins and wrapping them around Wamu's feet using his toes. There's that quick shot of Joseph (laughs) grabbing the reins with his two toes, or his two toes, like in between his two toes, and it weirds me out because I don't like feet. (laughs) If anyone listened to the Death Note review series, you'll know very well that I do not like feet. So I did catch that when when he grabbed it with his toes. But anyway, he wraps it around Wamu's arms, and then Wamu shreds his arms with Hamon as he's using the divine Darude sand storm thing whatever you call it
1: (laughs) and thinking about it more this is another instance of joseph thinking outside the box like with the piece of information that cars gave them saying that the reins of the horses will be infused with Hamon, so he's able to control it again joseph's using that piece of information to his advantage here by overtaking wamu um and injecting Hamon into him
0: yeah because i think i think joseph does comment afterwards saying i knew he was going to use Darude sandstorm so he probably fought one step ahead in that moment i will say though that joseph jumping out of his boot when wamu grabbed his ankle was really quick on his part that was probably less you know thinking one step ahead more uh strong reaction time or quick reaction time Mm -hmm. because i wouldn't have thought to rip my foot out of my shoe at that moment
1: also, how loose is that boot?
0: I know. It looks really <laughs> tight on him, and then he just slips out of it, and then he's got this weird thing on his ankle. I noticed that for the first time when we yeah. were watching the episode again today that he's got like an anklet or something. Like it's a, this really thick piece yeah. of something around his ankle, and it, they don't acknowledge it ever, and I don't understand why it's there. And it's all—it's like inside his boot too, so why wear it if no one's going to see it?
1: Yeah, it doesn't look like a leg warmer either. I don't know. Maybe a trinket on his... His travels probably from like mexico i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah maybe he just likes to wear jewelry inside his boot where no one will see it in case he has to take his shoes off i don't know very very random very unimportant but just something that i noticed this time as the battle progresses um i think at one point i don't know there's like some shit going down with the the crossbows wamu shoots something and then joseph gets thrown off of the horse And Joseph, yet again, throws Wamu off by pretending to beg for help, throwing rocks at him and screaming. And then he drops that, your next line will be line on his ass, securing his next move against Wamu. And unlike ACDC, Wamu repeatedly falls for Joseph's tricks, even when he's on the lookout for those tricks. Because I think right before that, he he comments saying, um, or asks, the question, you know, does he have something up his sleeve? Is he preparing to trick me or something to that effect? So he's already looking and anticipating, looking for or anticipating this trick to happen. And yet he still falls for it.
1: Looking, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he gouged his yeah, eyes out. You forgot <laughs> that key piece of info before Figured, this.
0: Figuratively speaking, he's <laughs> looking for
1: it. <laughs> yeah. And talk about this, your next line. I don't even remember the last time you or Joseph used this
0: i think it was against acdc was it okay like the first part of their fight
1: yeah which was a while back yeah so for him to use it again on another Pillarman here it's like full circle i just love that um so the line is your next line will be do not disgrace our dual jojo and then wamu says it and usually the camera will zoom in on that character's face and show like an expression of panic or whatever i just love how because Juan was gouging his eyes out. His, his eyes are closed, but the camera still zooms in on him and his facial expression doesn't change, but you hear his like grunt of shock. I don't know. It, it's just, just like, like oh. yeah, it's just a funny, like comedic timing there. And maybe that was intentional on the animators part, but yeah, Joseph gets his, gets the one up here um, with the bank shot. Right.
0: Yeah. And it, impales him from from the back i i just love any time joseph drops that your next line will be on someone's ass it's Mm -hmm. it secures their their fate well for the most part it does
1: and it's him using wamu's exact move against him um because i think that's what Wamu had done previously by doing a bank shot which that just seems so far-fetched and you know you just have to suspend disbelief for this entire race but for wamu to know that there was a little piece of like rocks jutting out from the perimeter of the course that was able to hit Joseph directly um, at that angle. It just confounds me. And maybe there's a mathematician out there who can actually calculate the possibility of, you know, Wamu hitting Joseph with that bank shot or even Joseph hitting Wamu with the bank shot. I would just love to see if that math truly exists.
0: Yeah, submit to that <laughs> what's that subreddit they did the math or whatever. Yeah. Submit it there. There's a lot of JoJo Logic moments that you could probably submit to that subreddit and I'm sure it would be a lot of fun for people to try to figure that one out. Mm-hmm.
1: But I wanted to go back really quick to, you know, before this whole crossbow sequence, um, we find Wamu like backed into a corner basically, especially after Joseph takes out his uh his arms and they're disintegrating with Hamon. Uh, I think Cars mentions like this switching win back mentality that a lot of athletes go through. I think it's almost like athletes trying to make a clutch play. And that's exactly what Wamu does here, even though he's, again, backed up against the wall or backed up against the corner. He is so confident in his warrior abilities that he challenges himself to win at all costs by gouging his eyes out and placing himself at this severe disadvantage while still fully utilizing his strengths. It's kind of parallel to how Joseph refuses to take the antidote um, in the ring that he has until he wins this match. So it's like both, both competitors are really confident in their ability to win. And it's just crazy that Wamu would go to this length to show how dedicated he is Um, as a warrior and how confident he is in his skills um, to do something so drastic
0: yeah and I don't know like the whole gouging his eyes out thing confuses me because his hands are dangling by his forearms with basically threads of flesh because of the hamon how does he have enough control over his arms when his muscles aren't attached, to gouge his eyes out. And I know that's super (laughs) minor, but that was the question that came up in my head when I watched this scene. I I think the logic I can put to that is that these ultimate beings or whatever, these pillar men can control their severed body parts. Because I think back to the Santana fight and there's the part where he gets blown up or there's parts of him everywhere and he just controls those pieces, right?
1: I think so. And even at the end here where Wamu sticks his severed hands into his chest and they come out and he's still able to choke Joseph, like he's still in control of his hands.
0: Yeah, that and um, as we're talking through it, I also recall the fight against uh, Straitzo. He's not even a pillar man, but he was, I guess, a vampire when he fought Joseph. And when he got blown up by those thousands of grenades Joseph somehow put (laughs) on his body, he was able to... Bring his body parts back together and reassemble them. So, I think that that's part of the skill base that the Pillar Men have is being able to control severed body parts. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, he somehow tears his own arms off, places them inside his chest, and they fit inconspicuously. Um, I just that whole <laughs> thing like that was just so weird to me because wouldn't Joseph notice that that this happens within like a few seconds? Um, of them, I don't know, going at it at the the last moments. And I feel like that would be something very obvious that that he would notice.
1: Unless, because like Wamu falls after he gets shot in the chest. And so within that frame of him falling, I don't know, maybe he was able to fall precisely so that his arms would get lodged Lodged? inside (laughs) his chest. Although he would have to anticipate, or maybe he was smart enough to anticipate that Joseph's shot would impale his chest and so <laughs> I don't know. He I'm trying to justify the he, weirdest shit. He
0: here. purposely got hit through the back so that he would have a gaping hole made in his chest.
1: Yeah, there's more dick scheme. But right?
0: okay, so now let me think about this a little bit more. If he has a gaping hole full of Hamon in his chest and he cramps his hands into that gaping oh, hole of Hamon, right. wouldn't the Hamon disintegrate his hands? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe. Unless I was gonna say like maybe he only lodged it so far where the hamon disintegrating his arms were in, in the chest, but then you'd still see like his two hands sticking out of like chest. a like a flower sticking out of his torso. Yeah, we're I thinking way too hard yeah. for this
0: this JoJo logic here, but you know, fair questions, fair questions. Mm-hmm. And moments after Wamu launches his two severed hands at Joseph and chokes, tries to choke him out we get that cliffhanger ending where Wamu is about to destroy Joseph with some crazy ass final boss attack of some sort.
1: Although you kind of see bits of him explode from his shoulders, right? So it's it I think with this cliffhanger it could have gone either way. Obviously we know what happens, but as ambiguous as it is, like we, do we think Wamu does get the upper hand or gain the upper hand against Joseph? It's also... it Also, could it be him self-destructing without him knowing it?
0: Well, I think... Wait, without who knowing it? Without Wamu knowing Without it?
1: Wamu knowing he's about to self-destruct.
0: No, I think he does because Cars is obviously fully aware of how this final attack works because he's saying, don't do it. Oh, right, right, and right. And so I think... I think that's the point is that he's desperate to win against Joseph. And he's so torn up at this point, literally torn up at this point, that his only option left is to do this final attack, which will cause him to self-destruct, but it's his, again, it's his the last l- resort. The to, final hamon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's his final hamon <laughs> to win the fight. Um, and yeah, it does rip him up, as we'll learn in the next episode.
1: Yeah, so what a cliffhanger.
0: It honestly is a cliffhanger. I think, so I didn't watch it when it was first premiering. I got to you know binge it and see what happened immediately after. But I imagine for the people who were watching this, as it was premiering that's a pretty nasty cliffhanger to leave off on
1: yeah but at least you don't have to wait a whole season or like wait a whole year to find out that's true the end of, that, <laughs> of that race and so that brings us to our final thoughts for part two episode 13 a true warrior what did you think about this wacky race
0: I love it. There's so much going on. It's high energy the entire time. The The tricks that Joseph pulls out of his ass against Wamu are obviously suspending your disbelief. They're very funny. Um, they're very clever. And I love how even Lisa Lisa starts to embrace his cleverness, if you want to call it that. Um, or more so him just being a, a dick all the time when he's fighting people <laughs> and supporting that too she's again she's not sure if she should be praising it but she's fine with it it's getting him through this fight and he's being a realist here and saying i gotta do what i gotta do to win so that i can literally survive what about you what did you think
1: yeah i think i've alluded to this before but this is probably one of my most favorite episodes of the entire series but i guess like also, the entire
0: just a f- series of jojo yeah or the entire I, part
1: that too like one of my favorite episodes from part two but also just one of my favorite episodes overall oh from, shit i from know the that series wow um, just because again it's it's so wacky it really embraces the would bizarre. you say it's so bizarre yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, yeah before you interrupted I, ru- me. I ruined it sorry i ruined your life. <laughs> but it, it really <laughs> embraces the bizarre aspect of the series. And of course, in that respect, there's plenty more to come. But I think this kind of is the one episode that that cements that the bizarre part of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure.
0: Do you have other favorite episodes?
1: Oh, yeah, there's there's plenty in like part three.
0: What would you say is your Okay, this is like very much an aside, but what would you say is your favorite Jojo episode of the anime so far? Do you have one?
1: So far in part two or like like of the whole series? So far as
0: in like parts one through five. Does Mm. does anything stand out as like the number one favorite of yours?
1: I I think I would have to, as we're going through this series, because like there's a lot that I don't remember, especially with part four, although I have a favorite in part four as well. Um, But I would say probably at the forefront right now, the one that I clearly remember the most is Jotaro's uh card game against uh Darby.
0: Oh, Darby senior. Yeah,
1: that's probably like right now my most favorite episode of JoJo. Raise that <laughs> <laughs> all. The, again, that's another one that's just again embracing the bizarre part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure.
0: Well, funny enough, my favorite episode of all of the jojo anime is the darby jr fight part two of that fight (laughs) where joseph plays oh that's a baseball against darby (laughs) jr that is such a good episode and i can't wait till we get to that so i can talk all about it but anyway please continue what are your thoughts on this episode (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) again like i said it's, it's just a great episode overall if you just embrace the the what the fuck of it because um, it, it's kind of like a, a David versus Goliath match, except in this case, David's a fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously uh, that's like Joseph's David here to Wamu's Goliath. Um, a lot of suspension of disbelief, of physics, concept of time. But again, it's just an enjoyable watch as you continuously try to figure out how one warrior will one-up the other. And so... I'm very much looking forward to the thrilling conclusion of this equestrian barrage in the next episode.
0: Equestrian barrage. <laughs>
1: you know, like equestrian dressage, but um, more violent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that wraps up this very nasally episode 22 of Strictly JoJo. Again, thank you for bearing with us through our allergies. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at thestrictlyseries and on Twitter at strictlyseries and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued. 5% chance that he dodges left and 5%... Pa- I can't talk.
1: A <laughs> Ah.